52. Anal treatment which we have suggested for the various displacements of the womb. Nearly all who suffer from such derangements may be fully restored to health. The patient should not expect speedy relief. Considerable time will be necessary to bring the general system up to a perfect standard of health. And, until this is accomplished, no great improvement in the distressing symptoms can be expected. Mechanical movements are especially effective in this class of cases. We have successfully treated many obstinate cases in which the displacements were very serious. Ulceration of the uterus. Ulceration is the process by which ulcers, or sores, are produced. It is characterized by the secretion of pus or some fetid discharge, and is continued as a local disease through the operation of constitutional causes. Ulcers are generally symptoms of other morbid conditions. Ulcers may form in the mouth or neck of the uterus, and, omitting cancerous ulcers and those of a syphilitic character, which are considered elsewhere, may be classified as granular and follicular. Granular ulcer. This variety of ulcerative degeneration is the most frequent, and may exist for some time without exciting any suspicion in the mind of the patient that she is afflicted with any such morbid condition. There is local inflammation, and the mouth of the uterus is uneven, rough, and granular. If an examination be made with the speculum, the mouth of the uterus is often found in the condition represented in figure 22. Colored plate ID. Figures 15 and 16 represent two different forms of specula. The one represented by figure 15 consists of a tube of glass coated with quicksilver and covered with india rubber, which is thoroughly varnished. That represented by figure 18 is made of metal and plated. By using one of these instruments, the condition of the mouth of the womb can be distinctly seen. Follicular ulcer. When the mucus follicles of the neck of the uterus are inflamed they enlarge and become filled with a fluid having the color and consistency of honey, presenting the appearance illustrated by figure 25. Colored plato ivy. This secretion, because of the presence of the inflammation, is not discharged. The follicles, therefore, continue to enlarge until they burst, and we then see in their place the red, elevated, angry-looking eminence, which is called a follicular ulcer. Symptoms. The severity of the symptoms depends upon the character of the ulceration. It may be simple or associated with purulent leucorrhea and hemorrhage. If ulceration be slight and local, few symptoms will be present, but if it be associated with uterine debility, congestion and inflammation of the mucous membrane of the uterus, the discharge will be profuse, and there will be fixed pain in the back and loins, a bearing down sensation, and great difficulty in walking. The discharge is weakening, as it impoverishes the blood and thus reduces the strength, causes, ulceration may be induced by anything that excites inflammation of the lining membrane of the mouth and neck of the uterus, the use of pessaries, excessive sexual indulgence, injuries occasioned by giving birth to children, congestions, enlargements and displacements, may all operate as causes, treatment, we cannot too strongly condemn the practice so popular at the present time with physicians generally of indiscriminately burning all uterine ulcers with strong caustics, such as nitrate of silver, chronate of potassium, and other similar escherotics. Regardless of the condition of the general system, ulcers of the womb must be healed in the same manner as those upon any other part of the body. It is an irrational practice to repeatedly cauterize them, expecting thereby to promote healing, while the system is vitiated and the vitality far below the standard of health. Enrich the blood. Tone up the system. Keep the ulcers cleansed by the frequent use of lotions, and they will generally heal. Caustics often aggravate the irritability and interfere with the healing processes of nature. Ladies should not unnecessarily submit to the exposure of their persons, 
if they perseveringly employ the treatment which we shall suggest, other local treatment will very rarely be found necessary. This modern warfare which physicians are waging upon the unoffending womb is a most irrational practice. Our grandmothers got along very well without exposing themselves to the humiliation and tortures of this newborn empiricism. We do not wish to be understood as undervaluing or denying the necessity, in rare cases, of examinations of the uterus, or as being an appreciative of the aid afforded in such investigations by the speculum, and the beneficial effects of local applications made directly to the womb through that instrument. What we affirm island that such examinations and applications are, in the practice of most modern physicians, made unnecessarily frequent, resulting many times in lasting injury to the patient. General means, as has already been indicated, constitutional treatment should be principally relied upon to cure ulceration of the neck of the womb, put the system in perfect order and the local ulceration cannot fail to heal. If you had a sore or ulcer upon the leg you very naturally reason that there is a fault in the system at large or in the blood. You do not apply caustics to the sore but you go to a work to restore the blood and system to a normal or healthy condition and as soon as this is accomplished the open and rebellious sore, or ulcer, heals of its own accord. All you have to do locally, to stimulate the ulcer to heal, is to keep it well cleansed by the use of castile soap and warm water, just so with ulceration of the womb. Thoroughly cleanse the vagina and neck of the womb once a day by the use of warm water and a little soap. Applying this thoroughly, as directed on page 704, under the head of treatment for leucorrhea, and using a solution of drive pierces purifying and strengthening lotion tablets as they're directed, after thus thoroughly cleansing and purifying the parts, a piece of soft sponge as large as a hen's egg, to which a bit of cord or strong thread is attached to facilitate removing it, may be thoroughly wet in pure glycerin and introduced into the vagina, pressed against the mouth of the womb, and allowed to remain there for 12 hours when it should be gently removed by pulling on the attached string. The cleansing lotion of soap and warm water should be used daily and followed by the glycerin application. Every third night instead of the glycerin tampon apply one of drive pierces and aseptic and healing suppositories, pressing it well up against the mouth of the womb, and letting it remain there to slowly dissolve. This will give far better curative results than the application of nitrate of silver or other caustics so generally used by physicians. Besides it has the great advantage of being entirely harmless in any condition of the parts to which it is applied. These suppositories are powerfully antiseptic, destroying all offensive odors and have a soothing and at the same time tonic or strengthening effect upon the neck of the womb and the vagina. In cases where there is prolapses or falling of the womb, or antiversion or retroversion, or other displacements the use of the antiseptic and healing suppositories will be found to be of great benefit in giving strength to the supports of the womb and its appendages. If your dealer is not supplied with the suppositories, enclose 25 cents in 1 cent stamps to us at Buffalo, NY and a package will be sent you. Postpaid. We are fully aware that this thorough and systematic course of treatment is slightly troublesome in its application, but what system of treatment that can promise similar success is not. This course of treatment must be rigidly adhered to for several weeks before we can expect a complete cure of the ulcers and the arrest of the consequent leucoreal discharge. The sheet anchor of hope. Do not fail to bear in mind that no difference how good the lotions and other local applications may be. Your chief reliance in all cases of ulceration of the womb, as well as in those of simple leucorrhea, must be upon thorough constitutional treatment. 
to this end drive Pierce's golden medical discovery should be taken three times a day in doses of from one to one and a half teaspoonfuls one hour before each meal, and in the middle of the forenoon, in the middle of the afternoon, and just before retiring for the night, a like amount of drive Pierce's favorite prescription should be taken. The use of these blood cleansing and invigorating tonic medicines should be kept up persistently for several weeks, for you must not expect a perfect cure too soon in a malady that has become chronic and seated. The disease does not become established hastily, but is slow in its inception and progress, and will only gradually and slowly yield to the best of treatment, which we believe we have already wanted out, followed earnestly, faithfully and persistently. The use of the means which we have suggested will rarely, if ever, fail. Urinary fistula, a fistula, or false passage, is sometimes formed between the bladder and the vagina, between the bladder and the uterus or between the urethra and the vagina. This passage allows the urine to escape through it into the vagina, and is a source of great annoyance and suffering. This affection is most commonly due to sloughing, caused by severe and long-continued pressure upon the parts during child labor. It is also sometimes produced by the unskillful use of forceps and other instruments employed by midwives. Syphilitic and other ulcerations may so destroy the tissues as to form a urinary fistula. Treatment. The treatment is purely surgical and consists in paring the edges of the opening so as to make them raw, bringing them together and holding the parts thus by means of stitches until they heal, by the aid of a speculum, properly curved scissors, needles with long handles, fine silver wire, and a few other instruments and appliances. The skillful surgeon can close a urinary fistula with almost as much ease as he can close a wound on the surface of the body. Disorders incident to pregnancy while some women pass through the whole period of pregnancy without inconvenience. Others suffer from various sympathetic disturbances, as morning sickness, impaired appetite, constipation, diarrhea, headache, heartburn, fainting fits, difficult breathing, and sometimes convulsions. A strong nervous sympathy exists between the uterus and every part of the system and this sympathy is greatly intensified by pregnancy, causing the distressing symptoms above mentioned. Treatment by proper treatment, most of these evils can be obviated and the patient made comfortable, by the moderate use of such a nervine and uterine tonic as drive Pierce's favorite prescription, this nervous irritability may be controlled or subdued, and the disagreeable symptoms thus avoided, while the female is pregnant, she should avoid all compression of the waist and abdomen, for this reason tight clothing, stays, or corsets must be discarded, she should also carefully regulate her diet, Selecting that which is most nutritious and easily digested, the nausea which occurs in the morning may generally be avoided by partaking of a little light food and a cup of tea or coffee before leaving the bed. If vomiting occurs, and the ejected matter be very acid, carbonate of magnesia, taken in tablespoonful doses, or some alkali with aromatics, or pulverized charcoal, which can be obtained at any drug store, will afford relief. If constipation or diarrhea be experienced, Small doses of drive pierces pellets should be employed one or two only at a time. Want of appetite, headache, or a tendency to convulsions, can be generally overcome by a persistent use of drive pierces favorite prescription, which should be taken in teaspoonful doses three or four times each day. Indeed, this valuable medicine not only relieves the distressing symptoms which frequently attend the pregnant state, but also prepares the system for the ordeal of parturition delivery. One or two bottles of this nervine and tonic used previous to confinement, will, in many cases, save hours of terrible suffering. 
besides regulating the system, and thus ensuring a speedy recovery, we have received the heartfelt thanks of hundreds of grateful mothers for the inestimable benefit thus conferred. The favorite prescription is perfectly safe and harmless to use at all times and under all circumstances in the doses above prescribed. Ovarian and uterine tumors. We have space only to give a brief outline of the characteristics and treatment of the most frequent classes of tumors which affect the ovaries and uterus. Ovarian tumors generally consist of one or more cysts or sacs, developed within the ovary, and filled with a fluid, or semi-fluid matter, which is formed in their interior. The cysts vary in size, in some instances being not larger than a pea, while in others they are capable of containing many quarts of fluid. In one case operated upon at the Invalids Hotel and Surgical Institute, 35 pints of fluid were taken from three cysts. The effect of ovarian tumors on the duration of life is shown by the statistics of Stafford Lee. Of 123 cases, nearly a third died within a year, more than one half within two years from the first development of reliable symptoms, while only 17 lived for nine years or upwards. Fibroid tumors of the uterus are composed of fibrous tissue identical in structure with that of the uterine walls. They are met with in all sizes, from that of a small shot to that of a mass capable of filling the entire cavity of the abdomen. Cases are on record in which these tumors have attained the weight of 70 pounds. The manner in which fibroid tumors terminate life is generally by prostration and debility produced by pressure on, and consequently, interference with, the function of some one or more of the organs essential to life, or by anemia and debility produced by the severe hemorrhages, which the intrauterine or submucous form not infrequently induces. P.O.L.I.P.O.L.I.P.O.I.D. tumors of the uterus are of three kinds, cystic, mucus and fibrous. They vary greatly in size, sometimes being as large as a teacup, and their point of attachment may be extensive or consist only of a small pedicle. The cystic and mucus varieties may spring from any portion of the mucus surface of the uterus but they are more frequently met with growing from the mucous membrane lining the cervical canal, and pendant from the mouth of the womb, as represented in figure 21 and in figure 26. Colored plate ID, while the fibrous variety generally grows from the submucous tissue at or near the fundus, or upper portion, of the uterus, the most prominent symptoms of polypoid growths are hemorrhage, which is almost invariably present, leukorrhea, pain, backache, and a sense of weight and dragging in the pelvis, the best method of treatment, and, in fact, the only effectual one, is removal with the acracer, polypus forceps, or galvanocautery. The operation is usually attended with little or no pain. For more than 25 years the physicians of the Invalids Hotel and Surgical Institute have been successfully treating tumors by means of electricity. More recently, the medical profession has quite generally adopted electrical applications in response to the advice of Apostoli, of Paris. The plan used however is crude, it does not compare in results with the successful and safe procedure that our surgeons have invented and pursued. Electrical treatment will destroy the life of ovarian and fibroid tumors if applied early and after the improved methods so long used at our institution. The destructive effect of electricity is modified by the introduction of certain electrochemical applications so that it attacks and kills only the cells of the tumor. The very large ovarian tumors, however, are not amenable to treatment by this process. The walls of their cysts become so thin and weak, while the pressure of the fluid from within is so great, that sudden and spontaneous rupture is liable to occur at any time and produce death. Removal by a cutting operation is necessary in such cases. Fortunately this procedure, 
as skillfully modified and perfected by experience, has, in the hands of our surgeons, proven free from the dangers and hazard common to ovariotomy. This is due to skillful operation and to the fact that in our institution the sanitary arrangements are as perfect as it is possible to make them. Everything is at hand in the way of instruments and appliances likely to be required, and the entire procedure is conducted upon the principles of perfect cleanliness and antisepsis, which obviate the risk of inflammation and blood poisoning. Furthermore, our nurses have had such fine training and such a vast experience in their attendance upon such cases, that wants are anticipated, and details, that would escape those not so well qualified are looked after so thoughtfully and vigilantly that the convalescence is rapid, as well as being in every way comfortable and safe. Under such conditions our surgeons have completed a long list of removals of ovarian tumors without a single death. We are, therefore, warranted in stating that the dangers due to the presence of these tumors are far greater than the slight risks of removal by the skillful methods employed by our surgeons, owing to a change made in the anesthetic used. The painful and persistent vomiting that often follows abdominal operations is prevented. This does away with the greatest of all the dangers attendant upon the operation of ovariotomy, and favors speedy recovery. Food, as administered in the form of artificially digested and concentrated nourishment, is readily retained. The strength is thus rapidly restored, and the healing process hastened. It is generally supposed that the size of the opening made through the abdominal walls is large proportionate to the size of these tumors. This is an error. Even in the largest cystic tumors where the development is immense, a small incision only, is made simply sufficient to bring the walls of the tumor in view and admit, perhaps, two or three fingers. The tumor is then rapidly emptied of its contents by means of a powerful suction apparatus. Adhesions, if any exist, are then carefully removed, and hemorrhage therefrom prevented, after which the large sac of the tumor which when collapsed is like a thin bag, is readily drawn out through the small opening in the abdomen and removed. The small pedicle or cord-like mass of vessels that supplies the tumor, are then carefully treated after a plan invented by, and peculiar to, ourselves, which effectually prevents any bleeding, and, at the same time, does not leave any irritating substance, such as burned and charred flesh, rubber, silk, or any other unabsorbable material, within the abdomen. The parts are left and bruised and without any poisonous germs in contact. Our surgeons have met with phenomenal success in removing ovarian tumors, by the operation of ovariotomy. Thus far, in a career extending over a long period of time and embracing the removal of a long list of these morbid growths, they have not had a single fatal case. The following cases illustrate our method of treatment in a few of the many cases that have been under our care. Each case is typical of a class, case I am married woman aged 38, had never given birth to a child, about four years before coming under our observation, she discovered a small bunch, as she expressed it, in the left ovarian region, which gradually increased in size until, when she consulted us, it caused considerable pain in the region of the liver from pressure, and interfered with respiration, her general health was becoming much impaired, she stated that she had consulted a prominent gynecologist in the city, who had told her that the attachments of the tumor were so extensive that ovariotomy removal with the knife was out of the question, and that, therefore, he could only give her palliative treatment. This unfavorable prognosis only added mental anguish and despair to her physical suffering. On examination, we found a large multilocular cystic tumor, represented by figure 17, with very thick walls, 
extending from the left ovarian region obliquely upwards and to the right, so that it pressed more upon the short ribs on the right side than it did upon the left, but which filled the entire cavity of the abdomen, the attachments, as the doctor whom she had previously consulted had stated, were so extensive that its removal with the knife could not be thought of, we were not disposed, however, to give the case up as hopeless, we told her that we would do what we could for her, but as to what the result of our treatment would be, we could not definitely say, she placed her case in our hands, and we resorted to the above described treatment, she was treated two and three times per week for more than two months, at the end of which time, the tumor had decreased in size fully two thirds, it has ever since remained stationary, and has given her no trouble or inconvenience whatever, it is now seven years since we treated her, case I, a young lady of 23, and married, about six months previous to consulting us, she had discovered a tumor of about the size of an egg, in the region of the left ovary, which had been gradually increasing in size, on examination, we found the morbid growth to be about the size of a quart bowl, and evidently composed of several cysts with thick walls, she experienced no pain, and but slight inconvenience from its presence, but she was in great mental distress, she was an only daughter, and her mother had died a few years previously from the shock and hemorrhage resulting from an operation for the removal of a large ovarian tumor, performed by the late lamented Dr. Peasley, of New York, the same course was pursued in this case, and at the end of six weeks treatment, the tumor was reduced to the size of an egg, and has remained so ever since, now more than three years, case III, a woman dot 37 years of age, married six years, no children, she had suffered for eight years from profuse menstruation and dysmenorrhea, with a membranous discharge, and, for several months before consulting us, she had experienced severe pain and a soreness in the pelvic organs, her bowels were obstinately constipated, it being next to impossible for her to have an evacuation, and she possessed a pale and careworn countenance. Upon examination, we discovered a hard, incompressible tumor, represented in figure 18, attached to the posterior wall of the uterus, which caused antiversion of the womb, and which pressed upon the rectum so as to produce great obstruction. She was treated by means of electrolysis, with injections into the substance of the growth, for one month, at the end of which she resumed home with the tumor reduced from the size of a pint bowl to the size of an egg, and her health greatly improved. After going home the tumor continued to grow less until, at the end of a few months, her home physicians could detect no trace of it, and she has remained well since, for more than five years. Case ID, a lady aged 36, married 13 years, no children. She complained of severe pain in the back and a frequent desire to urinate. Menstruation was profuse and the bowels were constipated. On examination, we found an intramural fibroid tumor, represented in figures 19, developed in the anterior wall of the uterus, and pressing upon the bladder. The womb was enlarged, measuring 3 inches in depth, and was slightly anaphylected. A month's treatment, with electrolysis and injections into the tumor, arrested the growth and diminished the size more than one half, and caused the unpleasant symptoms to disappear. Case via married lady. 26 years of age, had borne no children, but had had several abortions, brought about intentionally, six months before consulting us, a tumor, about the size of an egg, was discovered by her home physician, it grew steadily from the time of its discovery until, when we made an examination, it was found to be about the size of an ordinary teacup, it was developed in the posterior wall of the womb, 
as represented in figure 20. Three weeks treatment reduced the tumor to thirds. Case B.I. A widow lady, aged 52. She was examined 10 years ago by two of the most distinguished physicians of New Haven, Con, who pronounced her sufferings due to cancer of the uterus. She was then suffering from repeated hemorrhages, and other symptoms. They gave her palliative treatment, and told her that to interfere with the morbid growth would only shorten her life, and that by leaving it alone she might live several years. By and by the hemorrhages ceased and she passed the change of life, but she continued to be troubled with a sensation of fullness in the pelvis, pains in the back, and frequent headaches. On examination we found not a cancer, but a large polypus, as represented in figure 21, which had caused all the trouble. It was quickly removed, without pain, and her health restored. Thus, through an error of diagnosis, she was made to suffer physically and mentally for ten long years of her life, in constant dread of a horrible death. Testimonials While we had a great cloud of witnesses testifying to the efficacy of our treatment of the diseases described in this volume, yet for lack of space we can here introduce only the following, large fibrocystic tumor pronounced incurable by many eminent surgeons, health restored and tumor removed without cutting, World's Dispensary Medical, Association, Buffalo, NY, gentlemen I cheerfully send you the following testimonial, and hope it may induce some sick person to seek relief where it is sure to be found, we never truly appreciate health until it forsakes us, for six years, I suffered all the tortures and fears attendant on the growth and development of a fibrocystic tumor, I tried to have the tumor removed, but found it impossible. I had the very best medical advice the South affords, but every physician rendered the same verdict. Incurable. How that word, for months, rang in my ears incurable. It seemed stamped on my mind in letters of fire. What I suffered, both in mind and body, cannot be imagined. But for my unbounded faith in God's goodness and mercy, I doubt not. I would have given up and died but I trusted in him to direct me in the way to find relief. One hope stood out before me like a beacon light, and that was to find the means to go to Buffalo, and why to drive Pierce's famous Invalids Hotel and Surgical Institute. At last the opportunity came, and I bid my loved ones a sad farewell. Not one of them ever expected to see me again, alive and with a sister to relieve me of every care on the journey. We started for the Institute. On arriving at the Invalids Hotel, I was too sick and fatigued to treat with civility the sweet-faced, lady-like housekeeper who received me, or the gentle nurses who tried so patiently and kindly to minister to my wants. I had read a good deal about the Invalids Hotel, and expected to see wonderful things, but like Sheba's queen, I could truthfully say, the half had never been told, the many ways, means, and appliances, for the relief of poor sufferers surpassed a thousandfold anything I had ever imagined could come within the scope of human skill. The skilled physicians were not only able and attentive, but on meeting one, if it were every day, they always had a ready smile, a warm hand clasp, and an encouraging word, which alone, would make one feel better and at home. The trained nurses were attentive and kind, every department was cleanliness itself, and kept at such an even temperature even to the halls, that during my four-month stay, I never had the slightest cold, not only the comforts of life, but every luxury that the most exacting could demand, were fully supplied, I saw many poor sufferers, from various diseases, made well and happy, and I too, with the other happy ones, found relief, 
and that without the use of the knife or an anesthetic of any kind, I would urge all poor chronic sufferers, it matters not what the trouble may be, to go to Drive Pierce's Institute and be cured, if anyone similarly afflicted cares to know more of my case, I will gladly answer any questions, if she will only write me, and enclose a dressed and stamped envelope in which to reply. During my stay at the Invalids Hotel I never lacked for anything that willing hands and warm hearts could supply, and I came away feeling that I was leaving a sweet, luxurious home and many warm friends, but with a new lease of life and perfect confidence in the ability of the physicians, for I know I could not possibly have lived two months longer, had I not found relief. Today I am well, rosy and happy with a heart full of lasting gratitude for the kind treatment and cure which I received at the Invalids Hotel and Surgical Institute. Yours truly, Miss D. Eliani Duke, Clanton, Chilton Company Ayla, P.O.L. White B.O.I.D. Tumor of Uterus Weighing Over 5 Pounds, World's Dispensary Medical Association, Buffalo, N.Y., Gentlemen after many trials my doctors here had given up all efforts to cure me. A tumor that had existed almost from my childhood was gradually killing me. From frequent hemorrhages, I had become as pale and bloodless as a ghost, and so weak as to be scarcely able to stand or walk. Frequently the loss of blood was so great as to cause such long fainting spells that my family thought me past mortal help. How I lived to get to your place is yet a matter of wonder. We appreciated the fact that in the skill of your surgeon lay my last and only hope. The result proved his abilities, the restoration of my health, when it was so generally and for so long despaired of was miraculous, and I cannot sufficiently express my gratitude and thanks. The comfort that was given by the kindly attention of your nurses is one of the very agreeable memories of your home-like and pleasant institution. With much gratitude, I am, respectfully yours, Miss Annie B. Lyon, Leon, can, note the above case had been pronounced cancer of the womb by home physicians, fibroid tumor, cured without cutting, World's Dispensary Medical Association, Buffalo. N.Y., gentlemen I cheerfully give a testimonial of my treatment at your institution, hoping it may induce others to avail themselves of your skill. In December, 1890, I went to you, after suffering five years with two fibroid tumors of the uterus. The tumors had grown rapidly for six months prior to my going to you for treatment, and had become quite painful. Under your treatment they entirely disappeared and my health was entirely restored. The church. 